Welcome to a True North Quick Hitter. These mini-pods are set to bring concise, informative analysis to help you win some titles and make some cash. Let's get it. Hello and welcome in to another True North Quick Hitter. I'm Travis Seal. You can find me on Twitter at tseal 14 that's T-S-E-E-L-1-4. I'm one of the co-creators of True North Fantasy Football. Check us out on Twitter at True North FFB. Make sure you see the bio. You can find all the guys, give them a follow, check out the content we're putting out. Today's quick hitter, I'm going to be talking about rankings, specifically starting your own ranking system. I wanted to give some insight on the process I use when I rank players, and admittedly, I'm not an expert. My process may not be as detailed as some, but I think it can translate well for someone who may not know where to get started, and I hope I can give you a baseline for some factors to take into account, allowing you to take it from there and tweak the process as you see fit. Now, getting started, you might be wondering why it's important. You've got this little app, you're in the draft, they have their own rankings, why not scroll through those and check them out? My thoughts on that are that I always trust myself. I find that if I have strong feelings on a certain player that may not be ranked similarly in whatever app I'm using, I can get a bit of a leg up if I think someone's going to break out and you know that your league mates are just looking at those generic rankings and there's a player that they might have to scroll a couple times down for, well, you might have that player ranked a little bit higher and you'll be able to get that player where you see their value. You can also find guys who maybe won't live up to their ADP. So you can leave those guys to your league mates and you don't have to draft those guys for your team. I actually host a live draft at my house every year. A bunch of guys sitting around my yard. We've got our pieces of paper. We're crossing names off. We're putting picks up on the board. And it's pretty fun to be able to chirp your buddies when you're going way down your list to find the guy that they pick and they have no idea why you're laughing at them. I remember one year, one of my buddies, it's a bit of a sidebar, but he, uh, he drafted... Mike Thomas of the Rams as opposed to Michael Thomas of the Saints and as soon as that sticky note hit the board we made him keep that pick and he was just losing it and we laughed all the way through the season about it. This is also the same guy that drafted Tony Gonzalez the year after he retired so it's a pretty fun league. We like to chirp each other. We got an awesome group chat and a lot of that comes from draft day. Another important piece about making your own rankings is that it causes you to really think about why you have these players ranked there. You dig into their situation, you look at what happened in the offseason, and you really get a better sense of why you value a player high. It's not necessarily just your gut feel or your instinct on a player, but there's, there's some concrete reasons that you can back that ranking up with. I know these thought exercises are something that my co-host Ty actually talks about a lot. And he says they're extremely valuable in his projection process. Finding the why behind your personal player values can make you realize that the Bears might not necessarily be who we thought they were. Don't let him off the hook for that and prep with your own draft rankings. Now, getting started, you don't want to be inputting every single player name into a big spreadsheet. You don't want to type them out into Word. You can find online a lot of sources for making your own rankings. You can go on Yahoo and you can actually customize your own through their site. But for myself, I like to use Excel and I like to find a source online where I can download that file and then I can work off of those rankings to chop them up and make them my own. So now that I've downloaded the file and I'm ready to cut it up, 
some of the factors that I'm going to be taking into account. First, we will start with recent results. So did that player show something in the previous season that might be an indicator of success going forward? The first players that come to mind are Damian Williams and DJ Moore, who had pretty good second halves last year, and they're getting quite a bit of hype going into drafts this year. Next, I'm going to look at coaching changes. So was it an offensive coordinator change? Is it an entirely new head coach, a new regime? If the offensive coordinator was the change, then what kind of scheme is that guy going to bring? Scheme changes can make pass production become almost useless, depending on how big the change is. So it's good to look at a coach's history running an offense to gauge how a system may alter fantasy production. Another big factor for me is free agency, any trade acquisitions, and overall competition within the team for volume. So were there players added that could alter a certain player's role? I think of Nick Foles and how he might affect the Jacksonville receivers or how C.J. Anderson might affect Carrion Johnson in Detroit. Is there a young rookie coming in? So think of David Montgomery and how he affects Tariq Cohen, or a backup who maybe showed promise last season, Tyler Boyd with the big breakout season, having A.J. Green opposite him. Looking at this can help you carve out what the expected volume you think is for a player, and how many touches you think they're going to get relative to the other players in their position group. Tied to that, I'm going to look at talent and career art. So has the team brought in some ascending talent with some guys maybe a little bit longer in the tooth in their starting roles? And how does that affect the roles of all these players coming into that offense? My first thought is Arizona bringing in Kyler Murray, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson to a lesser degree, and with the potential emergence of Christian Kirk. How is that going to affect Larry Fitzgerald's role? And what does that offense look like going forward? I'm also trying to find the talented former underachiever who's gone to a new place where they'll be better utilized, potentially rejuvenating their career. I think of Eric Ebron last year, and I look at players like Devin Funchess or Dante Moncrief this year as players who could take on that type of role. So those are some of the factors that I take into account when I'm doing my ranks. I don't think everybody should go by exactly what I've been saying. I think everybody should go with what makes them feel comfortable and what they feel like gives them the best rankings after all is said and done. There are two more things I wanted to touch on. The first one being format. So specifically, I think redraft or dynasty. If you're looking at redraft, age doesn't matter quite as much. You want one year production and you want the best players you can for that one season. You're not worried about two seasons from now. You're not worried about rookie draft picks. You want production this year to get you the win. When I think about redraft, I think about players like Mark Ingram, Leonard Fournette, T.Y. Hilton, and Robert Woods. Those are some of my targets. They've all got solid roles currently, but they might be a little murkier down the road due to age, some youth emerging behind them, and maybe some skills diminishing. Durability and suspensions matter more in redraft as well. Think of Darius Geis and Kareem Hunt, for instance. Darius Geis coming off a big injury with capable players in the backfield, and Kareem Hunt with an eight-game suspension, which kind of renders him useless for half of the fantasy season. Whereas in a dynasty draft, looking at Darius Geis and Kareem Hunt, you're a little bit more confident in their future, 
knowing that you're going to have them for more than just one season. I like to go with a three to five year outlook on players in Dynasty. Uh, maybe less for running backs and more for receivers based on career longevity. And I'm taking into account things like the investment the team has in the player, if there's any previous production, what the offense is going to look like in the next couple of years. Quarterback situation is big for receivers. Offensive line situation is big for running backs. And then overall talent of the players. So those are kind of the things I look at when I'm in a dynasty draft as far as building the best team with a good balance of youth with production. Another big factor for dynasty leagues that I like to look at is contract situation. Players with outs coming up in their contracts are much riskier because you don't really know what their situation is going to be after they get cut loose and potentially signed by another team. I think of Alshon Jeffrey, who can be released by the Eagles with a manageable cap hit. I think that's 2020. Or players who were recently signed to big deals to remain the centerpiece on their team, like the deal Devontae Adams signed before the 2018 season. The last piece that I want to talk about for rankings is tiers. So these are not tiers of joy. They're not tiers of sorrow. These are draft tiers. So tiers if you don't know what they are, are groupings of players within your rankings that you are happy to draft in similar areas within the draft. So your top tier of running backs is probably first round locks, where your third tier of wide receivers could be in that fifth to seventh round range. It really depends on how you rank the players. Tiers for me hold a lot of weight when I'm applying my rankings to a real draft. So I find they allow me to stay open and mold my team to the way the draft board unfolds. They can also clearly outline the caliber of players that are available at each position. So this will give you a bit of a better idea on when you can take a guy a little bit higher than anticipated or when you should take a quality running back too, knowing that there's a solid group of wide receivers that could make it back to your next pick. For instance, if you're down to the last running back in your third tier, but your third tier of receivers is mostly still on the board, you can take the running back so as not to miss that tier break, and you know that you're getting most likely a third tier receiver on the come around. I use tiers in all drafts, and they've saved me a ton of agonizing internal debate when it's my pick and the clock's ticking down. So I highly, highly recommend that once you've completed your rankings, you break them into tiers. Now, this can all be taken with a grain of salt because everyone will have different factors on how they rank players and what's important to them, as you should. It's always great to have analysts you trust and sites that you use as a resource regularly, but when the chips fall, you want to be happy knowing that you trusted yourself and that you built a championship caliber team off the work you did to prep for your drafts. So that's all I've got as far as getting started on making your own rankings. I appreciate anybody who gave this a listen and hope to bring you some more. Next, I want to get into my actual rankings and dive into some top 10s and why I have guys there. Uh, maybe get Ty on the pod and we can go over some of our rankings and the differences that we have. We've had a ton of fun so far interacting with new people on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us there at True North FFB. All of our personal accounts are in the bio, as well as you could email us at truenorthffb at gmail.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Appreciate you coming by. 
and let's fly north, baby. <laughs>